You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. Well, I once again have been victorious in my efforts to stay off of social media. I haven't. I, usually I check it after the game. I, I haven't gone on once. So I don't know where everybody's at. Um, but le- let me just tell you where I'm at. I feel like we needed that. I completely understand the you just ruined the draft crowd and it wasn't worth it because the team. We'll, we'll get into all that. Um, it just felt like for the fan base, for the team, it was needed. It felt good to watch a motivated team that actually deserved a win go out and win. It was good to see a team that had offense, that had defense, that had special teams. Not perfect. I believe me. We'll talk about the bad, but. Offense, defense, special teams seemed motivated, seemed um, in sync. A couple of mishaps, um, I would say at least half of them were penalties that I thought were complete bullcrap. And I mean, if you listen to the show, you know I very, very rarely ever complain about officiating because it just seems like a complete waste of time, and it's usually never that big of a deal. But I think especially since we won, it's a little easier to complain about it. Because I'm not certainly trying to say, you know, the result should have been different or whatever. But some of those calls were just freaking stupid. Which I think is upsetting, too, because you're trying to get the team back into a rhythm and you're trying to stop the penalties. And it's like, oh, look, a bunch of penalties. And it's like, yeah, but come on, man. Some of those were stupid. But it was it was good. It was I was happy to be happy. I was happy to see a, a talented football team. It was happy to be able to root for guys again like Brooks and like Wooden and like Rashawn. And freaking Jair and Valentine, man, they were just, they were on something today. Uh, oh, and, and I mean, this. let's just say the secondary, Anthony Johnson having a day, even Owens, who I have no expectations for coming up, making big plays, getting the forced fumble, linebackers making plays in the backfield. I mean, the defense in particular, but it just felt good to be able to root for the the Green Bay Packers and to be excited about them. Not just they won and didn't deserve it, so that was stupid. I mean, just good football players. I mean, that's what we've been lacking is just good football play. Whether 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 the gripe has been the quarterback, the offense, the defense, the special teams, the coaching, the play calling, the penalties, whatever it is, today was a good day. It just was a nice palate cleanser at home, victory in front of the home crowd. And again, it just, we need a break from, from the losing. I mean, just from the, the call-ins and everything else, it's been so negative. And I know there's going to be more negatives, and we're going to argue about what was good and what was bad, and we'll have differences opinion of how things played out or whatever. But all I can say is it just felt very needed. Let me segue that into addressing sort of the play for the draft crowd, because I get it. Let me make your argument for you. If Matt Stafford was playing, we lose this game. They're not going to the playoffs. They're still not a good football team. And all this did was make it harder for us to get the number one pick. I mean, the the argument actually probably would be if somebody were articulating it, it ruined our chances, but that's not true. The Bears had three wins and they had the first pick. Still very much in contention. Um, Here is sort of my thought as I was sort of thinking through that myself as far as how do I feel about that situation. 
Let me put it this way. Would you rather have Caleb Williams with no coach, no GM, no offensive line, no wide receivers, no defense, a terrible locker room, like a just absolutely nothing to play for, but maybe we have a really good quarterback? Or would you rather have, and just bear with me, Jordan Love fans, we'll get there in a second. Just, just let me do my thing here. Would you rather have Shadur Sanders with an offensive line and wide receivers and a head coach that's a good play caller? and a really talented defense with some really good players. Because at the end of the day, it's one thing to be a team that's just not good enough. It's another team to be so bad that you can't beat the Brett Rippon Rams. Because that team needs a whole lot more than just a quarterback or just a center or just a new coach or whatever. That team is complete garbage. This is a team that just needs the right motivation just needs to be put in the right position. This is a team that's got some serious talent, and we just haven't been able to see it. It just hasn't been shown to us. It has in small doses, but even that we refuse to even look at it because we're just angry. And again, the other thing is, this is probably the easiest game we're going to play. So if we go on to win again next week and go on a little bit of of a run, then this was a positive game for us because this was the start of a turnaround. If we go on to lose most or all of the rest of our games, this game is still somewhat irrelevant. And we're at least a team that doesn't lose to the Brett Ribbon freaking Rams. So just enjoy the win. It is what it is. If they're a bad football team, they got a lot of losses coming up. And again, this is I, I doubt there's going to be an easier game than this one. The Rams are a bad football team. Matt LaFleur has their number. He has since day one. At home, no quarterback. Not just no quarterback, but a really awful, awful quarterback. So... That's, that is the easiest game we will play all year. But again, in the draft, in the first round, you get one player. I want to be able to, I mean, we're, we're kind of earning players right now. I mean, you can think of it as far as if, if Jair Alexander were to fall off a cliff, talent-wise, and be a nobody, let's just say that's what he was last week, and then this week, Jair got his groove back and is back to being a first-round pick. Guess what? We just got ourselves a first-round pick, and it was a hit. That's a big deal. I also want to point out, because I'm petty, the week after we got rid of Razul Douglas is the most motivated I've seen this team. It's the best I've seen them play. So again, we, we make a lot of assumptions. Things like, now that Razul is gone, he's the heart and soul of the locker room. He's the, the big, great motivator. And now that he's gone, the, everyone's going to sulk and not care and not play. Which, number one, that's what they were doing all year anyway, so nothing would have changed if that were to happen. But even still, that didn't happen. It didn't happen. Even if, you know, Valentine falls off a cliff after this week and he's no good and it, it you know, whatever. The idea that a lot of people had that everything is just going to collapse and these players are going to stop caring and everything, it didn't happen. We had a week of whining and complaining and we were just positive all these horrible things were going to happen and it didn't happen. It was the most motivated this team has been all year, especially the defense, and the best player on the entire team, I think, was the guy that filled in for Razul Douglas. So was it worth it getting all worked up? Is the locker room ruined? Is, is, is the culture just, has, it, has it just gone to zero? Nobody cares anymore? We don't have that veteran leadership, so we're all doomed? Because I, I gotta ask, where did it come from? Razul's gone. Where did that motivation and that energy come from? Was it Joe Barry? Because Razul is the only guy that cares on this team. He's the only guy putting forth effort. Where did that performance come from? I think there was a little bit of a flaw in our thinking in terms of, number one, 
the problems with our team, number two, where the motivation for the team is coming from, and how impactful these so you know these so-called veteran leaders and everything else are to the team. I'm not saying it's a bad thing; it's certainly beneficial. But let's go back to that question we asked before: Should we start paying everybody, even if it's the wrong thing to do for the for the sake of the team? You know, guys like Mercedes Lewis, do you just pay them because they're old and because they have a voice, and and generally people respect them, so they just get contracts forever? Well, after today's or yesterday's performance, I would say that that's maybe not the best plan. That guys shouldn't just get contracts for as long as they want because they're old and respected. Just saying. It's a little early, but I kind of wanted to break it up into even segments. And the first segment is just kind of getting my thoughts out. Kind of hoping that would take a little bit longer, but that's really all I got to say. I'm happy about it. I understand there's a negative in terms of the implications of the draft, but overall, I think the team needed it. The fans needed it. And so I'm... uh, feeling pretty good. On the other side of the break, I want to uh, take a look at some of the stats, just kind of rip through that, and then um, also want to look at some of the other games and what happened, at least as far as I know. Some of the games are not done yet. Currently watching Eagles um, and Dallas, it's at halftime. But also got to talk about, I I guess, my initial thoughts on the individual players. And again, we'll, we'll get better, uh, a better feel for, for how they did when PFF kind of does their snap-by-snap breakdowns, but kind of want to go through and look at some of the positives and um, some of the things that I perceive to be negatives, which isn't fun after a win, but we should at least touch on it. But we will take our first break. Patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy is where you can support the podcast, or you can hit me up on Venmo Packernet podcast. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. So why don't we actually start off, I always do the the stats, PFF has stats, so I use that, and then one of the things they have on there is a recap, so I just like to read that and see their initial thoughts. It gives us an idea of how tomorrow is going to go. Um, so let's start with that today instead of doing the stats first. They didn't, usually they kind of lay out like players that kind of dominated. Um, they didn't do that as much, but anyways, the Green Bay Packers delivered a win against the Staffordless Rams. Offensive spotlight, it says the Packers offense had its share of struggles throughout the early part of this game, but Jordan Love and company managed to get things under control in the second half and put the game out of reach. Again, we'll get into that, but that's sort of one of the unfortunate aspects is the vast difference between first half and second half for our offense again. But Love finished 19 of 25 for 224 yards with Luke Musgrave leading the way with his 51 receiving yards and his first career touchdown. Aaron Jones is more involved with the offense this week as well, carrying the ball 20 times to deliver 73 rushing yards and a touchdown. 20 times is a lot for Aaron Jones. 
Defensive spotlight, the Packers defense managed only one sack despite the uh, advantage against the Rams offensive line. However, they limited L.A. to just 46.4 completion rate throughout the air and 68 total rushing yards. They did this even though Quay Walker, Rudy Ford, Darnell Savage, and Kenny Clark all left the game due to injury or just weren't in the game. And then rookie spotlight, Anthony Johnson Jr., a seventh-round pick out of Iowa State, got the first start of his career with Rudy Ford out of the lineup in this game. Johnson delivered with a clutch interception in the fourth quarter, which put the Packers in place to deliver a field goal and make this a two-possession game and all but seal the win. So those are the spotlights. Again, usually they kind of highlight players to give you an idea who's going to have some really good grades. They didn't necessarily do that, although I'm guessing Anthony Johnson's probably going to have a pretty good grade. Um because they highlighted him. Maybe Musgrave, I don't know. But all right, let's go through these stats here. Jordan Love, as I said, 20 of 26 for 228 yards, one touchdown, zero interceptions, 37 yards was his longest. He was sacked four times and had a 115.5 pass rating. Let me just say this about Jordan Love. Number one, the most positive thing I can say, I do believe this was his best game of the year. Maybe I'm just a little blinded by the second half. We'll see what his PFF grade is. If I had to guess, I would say he cracked the 70s this week, which he hasn't done all year. He might not. He might still be in the 60s. I don't know. Who knows? Maybe it'd be 80s. I have no idea. If I had to guess, I would say this is his first game in the 70s, especially since some of those passes, I mean, he did have the touchdown pass. There were no interceptions. And there down the stretch were some bigger, deep passes, which has been lacking. So um, factor that in. And I'm kind of fingers crossed that this was officially his best game of the year. The negative on Jordan Love is that, again, it was a first half, second half. Second half, Jordan Love is the guy. I'm actually upset. I missed his first deep shot. I was in the kitchen getting some stuff prepped, and my son said it was a deep completion. I was like, what are you talking about? That's impossible. That doesn't happen. And then uh, the very next play was a a deep shot to Musgrave. So they're back-to-back deep completions. It was the uh, the Wicks one is the one I missed. But the first half, honestly, was a catastrophe. It was just bad. The passes were all completely off target. There was another walk-in touchdown by Christian Watson that was missed because it was another three-second late throw. It's just awful. The passes were off target. It was not good enough. So, again, I think the positives outweigh the negatives this week, especially since they they were very good positives. Not just it happened to work out, but accurate deep throws, et cetera, et cetera. But it's still, in my opinion, not good enough to not show up until halfway through the third quarter. That's just, that's not going to cut it in the NFL. You need to be ready to go snap one. We cannot have this many errant passes. All right, running the ball. Aaron Jones, 20 carries, 73 yards, just 3.6 yards per attempt. But even at that, you can just feel the difference in this offense with Aaron Jones. His ability to spark the offense with with nice runs, et cetera, et cetera. He did have the fumble, which is unfortunate. He had kind of a drop. It was not a super good throw. In fact, I'm not positive it was even catchable, but whatever. But Aaron Jones is such a fun player to watch. I I have a hard time getting mad at him. You look at it and say 3.6 yards per attempt and a fumble, but again, it's just he's an electric player. After that, A.J. Dillon had nine carries for 40 yards, 4.4 yards per attempt. I thought he had a pretty good day. Um, I know there was at least one questionable run. They were talking about the tight ends and why do you have a tight end blocking? It's like, come on, guys. That very clearly was not the designed, he was not where he was supposed to go. See that gaping hole over to the left side? That's where he was supposed to go. Not to the right where the tight ends are blocking defensive ends. But I thought he ran strong and uh, had some nice runs in the game. Jordan Love had four carries for seven yards, not as effective today running the ball. Jaden Reed had one for 21. That was a beautiful play. And, and, and an example of, you know, the play that nobody wants us to run anymore because it doesn't work. 
And that's where I come in and say, do we just do we hate the play or do we hate the result? Because if we hate the play, then we still shouldn't have liked that 21 yard carry by Jaden Reed, because again, it's a process thing. I like it because I like when that happens. So I don't want them to stop. I want them to execute better. And they did. And there you go. 21 yards on his one carry. And then Emmanuel Wilson. I like Emmanuel Wilson. He had four carries, 43 yards, 10.8 yards per attempt. He had that huge run down the sideline for 31 yards. He's a fun. I mean, he, I'll be honest. <laughs> and I'm, I'm, this is going to sound a certain kind of way. He almost reminds me a little bit of Aaron Jones. And, and the biggest reason I say that, aside from just his completely shot out of a cannon mentality is just he he finds a way to make these big plays to where I look at it and go yeah but you know it's not really sustainable he kind of broke to the outside whoop de doo that was my after after year one with Aaron Jones on the podcast I was like look he had 5.5 yards per carry most of that was him just bouncing to the outside that's not sustainable it's not going to happen again he gets 5.5 yards per carry the next year and the rest is history Emmanuel Wilson has that ability to just do the right things seemingly at all the time, just make the right decisions and occasionally break the big run. And he just kind of, to me, feels like the guy where, obviously with four carries, you could end up with 10.8 yards per per attempt. You can end up with 1.8 yards per attempt. But he feels like a guy where you give him 15 carries, I think you're going to be rewarded. But at the end of the day, it also just is a big reminder that, you know, running backs are are relatively easy to find. You know, earlier or yesterday, I guess, the pregame show I did with Clayton, he pulled up all the rookie running backs. And just how basically all of them are doing a really good job right now. Now, they might not be Aaron Jones, but the fact that you can just grab a fourth rounder and he can really do a good job for you, if you can just kind of get things moving up front, or the fact that you can find guys like Emmanuel Wilson as, a, as an undrafted free agent, just saying. Um, and then receiving the uh, most targeted player was Aaron Jones, six targets, four receptions, 26 yards. Uh, let's see. After that was Luke Musgrave, four targets, three receptions, 51 yards and a touchdown. That was such an odd. I mean, it was just, it was perfect because it was a beautiful play design. It was Luke Musgrave up the middle, which is what we've been asking for forever. It wasn't just speed straight down the seam or anything, but still you get Musgrave on the big play. He's able to break a tackle, get a touchdown. It just, it just checked so many boxes. It was such a fun, uh, play. The next most targeted was actually Dontavian Wicks, who tied Aaron Jones for the most receptions in this game. Uh, Dontavian Wicks, four targets, four receptions, 49 yards. I'm not mad at him for the fumble lost. I'm really not. Um, he's he's trying to make a play. The ball slipped out of his hands in the rain. It just It's just one of the... And it was such a fluky thing, too, the way the ball bounced right into the defender's hand at the sideline. When I saw that slip out of his hand, I'd, my heart didn't even jump a little bit because I'm like, that's just going to go out of bounds. But it it bounced on the ground, bounced off of Wicks's arm, and then bounced into the defender's arms. Like you've got to be kidding me! Like this is it was such a fluky thing. On top of that, I'm gonna be a little bit unfair here, but if that wasn't such a bad throw, rather than this weird like falling to the ground, reaching with one arm thing, he could have caught it and just walked across the uh, the first down marker and out of bounds. Just saying. Jaden Reed, three targets, three receptions, 19 yards. Romeo Dobbs, three targets, three receptions, 36 yards. Uh, Christian Watson had one, uh, two targets, one reception, 37 yards. Dylan, one target, one reception, three yards. Josiah DeGuara, one target, one reception, seven yards. And then Malik Heath targeted once, uh, did not catch it. I'm sure you recall that because I'm sure every single one of us said the exact same thing at the exact same time, which was the heck is Malik Heath doing out there? But, um, Christian Watson had the longest reception, which was 37 yards. You wanted your 50, 50 ball. So you got it. Luke Musgraves was 25 yards, and then after that it was Wicks, 18, Romeo Dobbs, 17, 
Uh, Aaron Jones, 13. Jaden Reed, 11. Those are the the longest receptions for each of those guys. And then finally on defense, um, Jonathan Owens actually led the team in tackles. It was just eight, but still good, uh, good for him, I guess. The one sack was also Jonathan Owens. A little surprised with the sacks, but um, I think there was a good amount of pressure in the game. Rippon was able to escape up the middle quite a bit. Kind of surprised to see that there were no sacks because I did feel like there was a good amount of pressure in this game. Just couldn't quite get him down. Uh, tackles for a loss. Jair had one. Isaiah McDuffie had two. I loved watching Isaiah McDuffie. That guy, he always, the thing I've always liked about him is he's such a downhill guy. He's constantly attacking, whereas some of the other guys are a little bit more reserved. And again, I don't know if they're coached to do that or what. McDuffie is always just shot out of a cannon shooting into the backfield. Uh, Lucas Van Ness had one. Kingsley Inigbari had one. Forced fumbles. Jonathan Owens had his one. Anthony Johnson had the one interception. Um, let's see. And then pass deflections. Jair had two. Anthony Johnson Jr. had two. Carrington Valentine had three. Carl Brooks had two. Preston Smith had one. That's a lot of pass deflections. Then we get to the special teams. Honors Carlson did miss one of his three field goals. He was two for three and was two for two on his extra point. It's not terrible considering the weather conditions. Keyshawn Nixon, one kick return for 51 yards. And I think the, the best part about that play um, actually isn't the return. It's the fact that there wasn't a penalty on that play. That's kind of the most amazing thing to me. Then on the punt returns, Keyshawn Nixon had one punt return for 15 yards. Jaden Reed had one for 22. All three, There were three returns. All three of them were actually quite impressive. A 51-yard kick return and then a 15- and 22-yard punt return. Um, that's, that's really solid stuff. And then uh, finally looking at the team statistics, time of possession, the Green Bay Packers dominated 35-24 to 24 minutes, that is. Plays, we won 68 to 55. Yards, 391 to 187. That's 5.8 per attempt. They had 3.4 per attempt. Penalties, we did have more penalties, but it was eight penalties for 57 yards. Not the most catastrophic thing. It just It's just critical timing. It's, you know, fourth and inches. It's, you know, taking you out of field goal range. It's that kind of stuff. I mean, every It felt like every single one of those eight penalties was an absolutely critical penalty. Touchdowns, we had two. They had zero. Turnovers, each team had two. Jordan Love was uh, 77% on his completion rate. So again, I mean, maybe he had one that high, but I don't think so. I I think that is his best game as far as his completion percentage goes. Brett Rippon was 46.4%. Passing yards, 207 to 120. Yards per attempt, we had eight. They had four, basically. And then again, the passer ratings, 112 to 43.6. Uh, running the ball, we had 4.8 yards per attempt. They just had 2.6 yards per attempt. I have to assume we came into this game planning to stop the run, which I'm actually glad that they did that because very rarely does the Packers, especially the Packers defense, seem to want to get away from their identity, which is let's just get to the quarterback. But I've never seen them that dominant against the run for four quarters. And considering the lack of of sacks, it just kind of makes you wonder if that was a bit of an emphasis, which, again, good on you because you realize the quarterback's not going to be able to get much done. So you take away the run, and you've got yourself a pretty solid game plan in and of itself. But 2.6 yards per attempt for a team that's actually pretty solid at running the ball. First downs, we had 21. They had 10. Third down efficiency, we were 50%. 7 of 14, they were 36%. Fourth downs, we were 100%. They were 0%. That doesn't count the penalties, obviously, because that play didn't count. Uh, red zone efficiency was not super great. We were one for four. They were zero for zero. Pass deflections, we had 10. They had one. 
And uh, that's about it. Everything else we kind of already covered, I think. So with that, why don't we take our final break and come back and kind of put a bow on this thing. I've not done Packernet after dark yet, so I don't exactly know where you guys are at, but I look forward to recording that and kind of getting into the nitty gritty. But for now, we'll just kind of put a bow on my thought. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. So first things first, and I, I don't 100% know that there is anything else going on, but Christian Watson did leave the game, as did um, uh, Kenny Clark. Apparently he had a chest injury, a back injury, and was being evaluated for a concussion. I don't know how all those things happen in one play, but um, that's the situation. Uh, I have not heard any updates on that. I I hope he's going to be all right. I, it didn't seem like he was uh, too bad off. I mean, the concussion thing will be sort of the biggest, and that'll have to be he'll have to be cleared to be able to play. But he looked like he was up and up and at him. So I'm optimistic on that one, but we'll have to see. I'm just poking around on social media right now. It looks like Matt Lafleur. Uh, he spoke to the the media. I haven't listened to it yet. We'll go over that tomorrow. Uh, maybe we'll see. But. Um, he says he feel good, feels good that Christian Watson is not concussed. So that is uh, seemingly some pretty good news. By the way, I forgot to mention Keyshawn Nixon and Yash Nyman were also injured. That's why Rasheed Walker was back out there. And we got to see Ennis Gaines right away. He got elevated and immediately put in the game due to the Keyshawn Nixon injury. I guess Matt LaFleur also said, um, as far as long term, there isn't much concern around Kenny Clark's injury. He left with a shoulder injury. So he may be out next week, but it doesn't look like it's going to be a season thing or a, a, a super long-term deal. So um, some pretty good news on him as well. Some of the games of note, the Minnesota Vikings did win their game uh, shockingly against the Atlanta Falcons. And as much as it's nice to have rivals lose and all that, the Minnesota Vikings continue to get completely destroyed by injuries. They lost their starting quarterback. They lost their number one wide receiver. They just lost KJ Osborne. They lost another quarterback in Jaron Hall, which brought in Josh Dobbs. This team is not going anywhere. This team also is officially looking for a quarterback after this year. Kirk Cousins is, is I would assume, completely done. They've been trying to move on from him for a long time. Just hasn't really worked out. And um, with this Achilles injuries and er injury and everything else, they are going to be gunning for a quarterback. The Vikings winning doesn't bother me even a little bit. This team has zero, 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 zero chance of doing anything this year. They need to stay as far away from quarterbacks as possible. Them winning this game and moving to five and four doesn't bother me even a little bit. It really, really doesn't. Thank you, Atlanta Falcons, for sucking that freaking much. Um, kind of hoping for the Arizona Cardinals to get a win. They got trounced 27-0 by the Cleveland Browns. The Chicago Bears, um, another team that I'm really worried about them getting a couple of high picks. They ended up getting beat by the Saints. Looked like it was going to be a close game, but the quarterback just refused to stop turning the ball over. Tyson Bajan with three interceptions in this game. I think they came in like four drives. I mean, it was just one after the other. 18 of 30. You watch Tyson in every single game. It's like, dude, he's playing pretty well. He's probably not going to be the guy, but you know, I could see getting excited about him. And then he just starts to fall apart. He was 18 of 30 for 220 yards, two touchdowns, three interceptions, 65 passer rating. So uh, this Thursday, though, Chicago is playing the Carolina Panthers. So somebody does have to get a win. So either way, the Bears are going to shoot themselves in the face as far as their draft is concerned. 
you, you have to assume losing is the default. So um, the fact that one of them has to get a win, I think, is fantastic. And so either the Bears will move to three wins or the Carolina Panthers will move to two. Speaking of the Carolina Panthers, they got off to a really fast start early. And like the first couple plays of the game, there's a turnover, all this great stuff. But it looks like as of right now, from what I'm watching, 27-10 Indies winning. So doesn't appear that Carolina is going to be um, winning this game. However, Colts are another team that we're kind of in contention with as far as if things turn south and the draft still is a thing. I mean, look, win or not, you still want a higher pick. So you want bad teams to win, generally speaking. So the the Packers, as of right now, we'll see where we end at the end of the uh, the week or whatever. But the Packers are back to the seventh pick, not necessarily devastating. Which again, I mentioned earlier, not the end of the world. Um, the Colts are one of the teams that's right there, tied with us. So they win. That'll help us. The Raiders are about to get a win. I mean, you know, the Giants winning would be great, but the Raiders winning is just as good. Washington won. That's good for us. Houston won. That's good. Just just you know, keep keep bad teams winning games. And, that, and again, that's one of the benefits of, you know, 60% of the teams being kind of bad teams. You're just going to get bad on bad and somebody's going to have to win. Last couple things I wanted to do. First of all, kind of acknowledge the uh, Patreon group. I asked them for score predictions. Uh, nobody super close. This was a tough one to predict, especially with the Rams only getting three points. Mike L did have the Packers getting 20 points, so he got that right. However, um, had the Rams getting 17 as far as this being a 17-point win for the Packers, uh, Drew Domelik was probably the closest. He had the Packers winning 27-13. to 13. We won the game by 17. He had us winning by 14. So thank you guys for uh, jumping in. Most absolutely did have the Packers winning, which is a uh, little surprising, but good to see. I guess it kind of makes sense with the quarterback situation. But final thing I wanted to touch on, just some of the comments again. We had some locker room stuff, some coaching stuff. Just a couple quick notes off of social media, and then we'll get out of here. Elton Jenkins quote, he says, refs kind of messed up on some of the quarterback sneaks and stuff like that, but I feel like if we would have kept those drives going, we definitely were going to put the ball in the end zone, but to each his own. So uh, Elton Jenkins, obviously pretty upset with the referees, and I think rightly so, even if some of them were correct. It's so stupid. And on top of that, look, you put this thing in place because the NFL apparently is upset with the uh, the sneak and, and the success rate of it. Okay, Who's the team that's that's doing this? It's the Eagles. So what do you do? You penalize the Packers and then let the Eagles get away with it. Because I'm, and I didn't watch the whole game. Maybe they did get called on a couple. I have no idea. I watched them run sneaks. I watched them convert the sneaks. And I watched as these guys line up on top of the freaking ball. How do you institute a rule because you're mad at the Eagles for being so good at something and then penalize everybody else except the Eagles and let the Eagles get away with breaking the rule? The dumbest crap ever. Uh, some really good stuff from Carrington Valentine. This is via Ryan Wood. Carrington Valentine on giving Puka Nakua the Dikembe finger wag after forcing incompletions in the first half. Quote, I'm here. Honestly, I watch film. I know what it is, and I'm here. I'm here to compete. He had a lot of hype coming into the game, and I took the challenge. I love that. Continuing, here's another quote from him. Uh, Ryan Wood writes, Carrington Valentine on where the swagger he showed today comes from after dropping all the way down to the seventh round of the draft. Quote, it's a forever chip on my shoulder because I just feel like I was, uh, feels like it was a lot of people who aren't better than me. I have a list of people in my phone who went before me. My thing is being the last one in the draft class standing, to be honest, I just feel like it's not too bad for a seventh round pick. I don't know what that means, but I love the energy he brings. I really, really do. Quote from Jair on Carrington Valentine, quote, 
man, 37 played like a top-tier corner in the league, and it's exciting to see. He'll continue to do that because that's how the standard is now. I couldn't be more happy to play alongside somebody like that. And again, as far as the Razul Douglas thing goes, he's Razul's a great dude. He's a great player. He's better than Carrington Valentine. It's unlikely that Carrington goes on to be a better player than Razul Douglas. Maybe he does. I don't know. Even still, five seconds ago, this entire team was going to be decimated. And now we got Jair Alexander saying, I couldn't be more happy to play along somebody like that. There were no shots at Gutekunst about, you know, Razul or anything like that. Immediately, it's just we're, we're on to the next phase. I couldn't be happier that Carrington Valentine is on the other side, is what Jair just said. I think they're going to be okay. It looks like the long-lasting effects of losing Razul Douglas in the locker room lasted about eight seconds, which is good because we got two years to shake it off. And I was, it was, we're cutting it close, but I think we're going to be okay. Here's uh, John Runyon talking about this uh, rule that apparently is now being emphasized. Um, quote, I didn't know that was a rule. <laughs> That's how I've been lining up on short yardage my whole life. It says Runyon figures it's NFL emphasis resulting from tush-push crackdown. John Runyon didn't realize the first offside was on him until later, so that was also part of the problem. They called it on the wrong guy, so he didn't get the correction. So he just kept doing what he was doing, and then he got called a second time. That's why he didn't correct it the second time. Now Runyon said simple fix is to line up completely behind the football, which again, he has to do. Apparently, you know, Eagles don't have to do that. John Runyon, quote, I guess that's what the league's trying to do to stop QB sneaks now for whatever reason. I was just unaware of that. I didn't know, and I was doing what I've been doing. We've run a lot of QB sneaks since I've been here, and nothing's changed. Got called for it today. Here's a quick quote from Jair Alexander at his locker room. Oh, yeah, this is the this is the game a defense could be so happy with. Um, close to zero points, but, like, we are all very satisfied with the performance. So, simple enough. All very satisfied with the performance, as they should be. I I can't imagine how many nitpicky things there must be um again i understand what's across from you but what what did they do wrong in this game <laughs> pretty close to nothing anyways it's a short one i'm gonna leave it at that again I, I i don't have a ton to say um i feel like i've been talking a long time it's only been a little over a half hour but i mean that that more or less covers it i'm I, i'm happy with the result i'm happy to see the the fire the motivation it it was it was it just kind of like, like thaws a frozen heart a little bit you know you just start to feel a little, it, it's kind of like in spring, like you know that you hate winter, like I know that, and I know that it's better in summer, but when you first feel like the sun hit you in that heat, it's like, oh, first of all, I didn't, I forgot how good this felt. Second of all, I didn't realize how negatively affected I had been by, by winter until I just got hit by this blast of sunlight. It just felt good to get pulled out of that, so I'm going to leave it at that. We'll have more. We got PFF and uh, some of the uh, press conference stuff tomorrow, and we'll see how much we can get through. So you all have yourselves, oh, maybe a little laughing at the enemy. We actually won. Bears lost. Why not? Have a little fun with it. But you guys have a good rest of your day. I will talk to you tonight, tomorrow, whatever. Have a good one. Bye-bye.